0: yo 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 what's up it's greg santos welcome to episode 495 of ceo life you are the ceo of your life whether you want to be or not so i'm on bitch ass linkedin and i'm writing up this like post and i'm thinking like okay what am i gonna write about so i'm writing about this mastermind that i uh, ran with my business partner last friday i believe i think it was a week ago from today And with the mastermind, what we do is is for six-figure entrepreneurs under 30 who have at least a six-figure business. And on on those masterminds, we always bring in seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, like mentor the younger generation. So one of my members in in our community, he's like, I don't believe in work-life balance. And I've argued with many people about this. And I will argue till my face turns purple about this, Right. I'm like, whoa, I wonder what these uh, successful seven to nine figure entrepreneurs are going to think. Now, I don't know if you know this. I've spent quite a bit with like seven to nine figure entrepreneurs. Like I spent a lot of time with these people. And what I have found, it's not always the case, but what I found is that the people who have made their money tend to start leaning more towards the spiritual side, Typically i won't say to what in my experience in my own experience and maybe that's just i find myself in alignment with those kind of people so my brain may be filtering out everybody else that's very possible as well it's also possible that i find myself in environments where i'm more likely to connect with spiritual entrepreneurs so that's another thing okay but back to the point these are spiritual entrepreneurs on this mastermind call, who have done seven to nine figures in their business. So, you know, something. One thing that these entrepreneur entrepreneurs do is like it's not necessarily so much about hustle. It's more about like the holistic side of life. You know, caring for people that you really love. It's about, um, you know, really grounding with yourself. And all all these different things. You're, once you make a lot of money, from what I've observed. Your priorities change, you know, once you can stop worrying about it, you're not so concerned about how to make more of it. So I'm like, okay, I wonder what these uh, entrepreneurs are going to say about this work-life balance thing. And uh, one of the mentors on the call, his name is, uh, his name is Yannick Silver, uh, you know, good mentor of mine. He, he said, it's not about, it's not about balance more about like harmony like how can you have harmony with your work and your life how can you find flow with your work in your life and that's dependent on the individual do you find yourself in flow when you're working 80 hours a week some people do i found myself in flow when i was waking up at 4 a.m every day my life was in flow at that time my life would not be in flow if I was waking up at 4 a.m. every single day. That's just not possible with my, well, it probably is possible, but that's not something that I want to do with the travel that I've done and just like lining up with my business partner and, you know, work days and syncing up. It just does not make sense for me to wake up at 4 a.m. at this, at this time. So he's like, okay, it's about flow. So I'm like, okay, flow, flow in my life. And about three days later, I find myself lying down in my bed in London, and it's like three in the afternoon, and the blinds are still down, and I'm just like, okay, like I don't, I don't want to be conscious, I want, I want to be asleep, I don't want to be alive, I'm not feeling good at all. And, and that comes to me like, flow, flow, flow. Hmm, where can I find flow in my life? And I'm going back on one Monday, and I really feel like that's going to help, you know? Just really want to see my family, really want to hang out with my family. But on that same call, Yannick had mentioned something. He mentioned one of his favorite ways to journal. And journaling is a great way to f- find answers when you are in A state of confusion. You know, I think Tony Robbins says that when things are going well, we tend to party. When things aren't going well, we tend to ponder. So questions he likes to ask himself are like, what would my 11, what what would my 111 year old self say to me right now? Or like, um, what would I do even if I knew I would fail? Isn't that something? So, I thought, what would I do even if I knew I would fail? What would my hundred and eleven year old self say to me so i I, I like closed my laptop because I was watching I was creating this LinkedIn post, you know, trying to you know come up with something about flow and all this stuff, and what am I thinking about? So, I put my laptop away and I grabbed my red notebook and I open it up I grab. A black ballpoint pen, one that kind of bleeds through the paper when you write. So when you flip the paper over, you can kind of see the ink on the other side of that same paper. So I start writing. I write with my dominant hand. I ask the question. I'm left-handed. So I write the question with my left hand, and then I answer it with my do- non-dominant hand, my right hand. That's what Yannick mentions to do, right? Opposite hand journaling. So write with my left Ask a question on my left, answer it with my right. What that does is that taps into different hemispheres of your brain. So, I ask myself the question: What will my 111-year-old self say to me right now? And all this stuff. I'm like, okay. Like this stuff is giving me some comfort, makes me feel good. I'm like, it also makes me realize like how life, how long life can be. And I'm like, okay, well, it's like, if I think about it, if I'm like 56, would I? Would I even blink at the time that I'm going through right now? Would I even think about when I was 26 years old and how much that has had an effect on my life? And it's very true. Like, you can do things today that will have an effect in your life 20 to 30 years from now based on the decisions that you made. But, like, in this given moment, would my life be over depending on, like, if I got some more rest and if I played some video games? No. I remember... I was watching this uh, Joe Rogan podcast, and he had Joey Diaz on, and Joey Diaz said, "Listen here, Joe Rogan. You know it really boils down to maybe like five to six decisions you make in your life. Everything else doesn't really matter." I'm thinking five to six decisions you make in your life. Like wow, big decisions, right? Like for him, it was like quitting cocaine, right? For me, like a big decision was like, stop hanging out with my, my best friend that you smoke weed with every day. So anyway, I'm like, you know, come up with these answers. And I wrote down the question, what would I do even if I knew I would fail? So I put the pen in my non-dominant hand. I close my eyes. I take a breath. Nothing comes to me. So I just put the pen to the paper. And all I thought was, I'm just going to write the words, I would. I would do stand-up comedy without hanging out with the poisonous people. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa hold on this whole time I've been thinking about going on stage and teaching which I do want to do I 100% want to do I feel like I belong on a stage but oh stand-up comedy and then I started to think what do I love doing more than anything in the world I fucking love laughing (laughs) laughing I love laughing way more than I love orgasms. I love it. Well, you know, maybe not way more, but I love it more. I fucking love to laugh. And if I think about it, yesterday I spent time with two of my good friends, and about 90% of the time we laughed. We laughed our asses off. We had such a great time together. I fucking loved it. So fun. I loved it. A couple weeks ago, I hung out with uh, two other friends. And same thing, laughed my ass off like 80 to 90% of the time. And I'm like, fuck, I fucking love this shit. And if I rewind more and I think about middle school where I was a wild guy and I'd always make my friends laugh because I was pretty out there, pretty crazy, pretty wacky. Then I think about high school where sometimes when there was a substitute teacher, I would, you know, (laughs) I would, like, gather the attention of, like, half the class and, and convince them, tried my best to convince them that Jesus was black. Or I would say dumb shit, like, I have malaria. Just dumb shit. Just always cracking dumb ass fucking jokes. And I loved it. And if I'm honest, if I'm being honest, one of my favorite times in my life was when I was in high school. And that's because I always had an audience. I always had an audience that made people laugh. And teachers loved me. Teachers fucking loved me. Students loved me. And because I was always making people laugh. So then I thought, oh shit. I remember... One time I was walking down the street with my my uncle. It's my uncle Jody. My uncle Jody, um, I is it, I don't know if it's safe to say he's a meth head. I don't know if he does meth. I know he does speed. I know he smokes crack. <laughs> he's an alcoholic and, and he's homeless. okay now a lot of people are listening to this being like that's fucked up greg your uncle's homeless and you're laughing that he smokes crack (laughs) and he's an alcoholic listen let me tell you a little something about uncle jody uncle jody was a functional human being until about the age 45 he had a job he paid his rent on time he loved to smoke weed you know, he was a responsible person. And then, and he also did a lot of alcohol and shit. So, you know, big drinker since he was like in his early 20s. And, uh, and then mid 40s, he goes, you know what? I'm fucking tired of working. I don't want to work anymore. And then he thought to himself, wait, but if I'm not working, then I probably won't have a place to stay. Oh, well, that's a decision I'm comfortable with. Now, because I I I used to tell people all the time, like, my uncle's homeless. And I'll be laughing, right? People look at me with this serious face. (laughs) And I'm like, and I'm thinking, why are they serious? (laughs) And it's because Uncle Jody is a functional homeless man. He eats three meals a day. He goes to the church. He knows the times he needs to be at the church. He's well-fed. He has a shower. I think, I think, I don't know if the church has a shower, but I know he showers. He says, and he lives in a riverbed. He says that he's the manager of the riverbed. There's other homeless people there. He says he's the manager. He goes to the library to charge his phone. He has a cell phone. He gets food stamps that get delivered to his boyfriend's house. His boyfriend's name, I don't want to say his name, actually. I'll keep him, keep it private. But it's a funny Mexican name. He has a he has a boyfriend who my uncle's food stamps get sent to. And my uncle Jody takes those food stamps and sells them for money. Okay? And he uses that money to buy weed, to buy uh, speed. He uses it to buy alcohol. And I realize that I'm just outing out my uncle right now. And my uncle probably doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't. He is one of the funniest fucking people I know. Uncle Jody is a fucking legend. He's a fucking legend. So, one day, I'm walking down the street with my Uncle Jody before the homelessness. And i walking down the street. I'm like 12 years old, something like that. He's like, he calls me Juju. He's like, Juju, what do you want to be when you get older? I said, like, Uncle Jody, I want to be a stand-up comedian. He says, off, oh, it'll never work. They all go to jail. I was like, what? What are you talking about? He said, you, you said you want to be a drug dealer? I said, No, Uncle Jody. I said I want to be a stand-up comedian. I've known for a very long time that I want to be in front of big groups and crowds of people. And I wanted to be entertaining, you know? For a while, that was the NBA and, you know, stand-up comedy. I I always kind of felt drawn towards that, Um, even like a a really young, like a rapper or something like that. And and then I did stand-up comedy when I was 19. And then guess what? I fucking loved it. I loved it. It was fun. It was so great. But you know why I stopped? Do you know why I stopped? There's one reason why I stopped. And it was because of the people that I was hanging out with in that environment. The other comedians in Riverside, California. Now, let me tell you something about Riverside. This is the place to go when you are ready to give up in life. Riverside is the perfect place to settle down when you decide, you know what? I'm done trying. Fuck this. That's the place you go. There's not a lot of quality people in Riverside, California. Nobody says, "I'm going to go move to Riverside and try to make something of myself." Nobody says that. And if somebody does, they're going to fail. So, With that being said, I'm like, hmm, I've always wanted to make people laugh, and the reason why I stopped doing stand-up comedy is because of the people, but I knew I still wanted to speak on stage, because I fucking love the element of speaking on stage. So then, I'm like, man, I did it when I was 19, that was about seven years ago, and um, I'm about to go back home to Merino Valley. It's right next to Riverside. And I'm going to do some open mics. I'm definitely going to do some open mics. I'm probably going to spend my my plane ride writing some jokes. And um, just thinking of funny-ass stories and um, going up on stage and telling them. Then another thing that I wrote down about um, when I was journaling, I was like, well, where am I supposed to be right now? I wrote that with my dominant hand, and the the opposite hand, my non-dominant hand, wrote You are supposed to be wherever your heart calls in the moment. And from there, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, my heart was calling London last year. Now my heart's calling California. I know I'm going to be there for at least a month. And then I don't know, where's my heart going to call? Is it going to call for me to still stay in California? Is my heart going to call for me to go back to London? Because I have a round trip ticket. Is it going to call for me to go to Austin, Texas? Is it going to call for me to go to Florida? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. So I'm like, okay. This reminds me of when I was in the backyard before I flew to London and my family sat me back in the, down in the backyard and they asked me the question, what's going to happen once you get out there? And my answer was, I don't know. I will figure it out once I'm there. And my family was like, they did not like the answer. They're like, man, like, like, you know, it was, it was very sad. I want you to imagine that. The funniest person in the family, also the most good looking, is leaving. And they have no idea when they're going to be back. That's not something that is necessarily an exciting event for the family. But then I got out here, and then I lived in I lived in um, London for two months, and I lived in Cambridge for two months, and then Yaz and I did a three month tour of the states. We went to Florida, we went to like Orlando, we went to Tampa, and then we went to we lived in Santa Monica for a month, and then we lived in Austin, Texas, for two months, and then we went back to London for two months, and then we did a three month tour of Europe. We hit up Norway, Barcelona, Paris. We went back to Barcelona. What um, did we? I don't remember. Uh, we went to Canada. We went to Lisbon. We went to Estonia. We were in Italy. We were in New York. And um, I know some of those places aren't in Europe. So I know I call it a Europe tour. Then we come back here to London. You know, I got, got here in August. And now we'll see what the fuck life has in store for me. I don't know. But I'm excited to find out, and I have so much more life to live. We'll see what happens. So, anyway, hey, I appreciate you listening. Um, hope you got some some nuggets here. If you're ever feeling, you know, um, like hey, I don't know what to do, hey, try try journaling with your with your opposite hand. You know, like here's the thing, right? I before I conclude this. There's uh there's this girl who lives out here in London, and she is amazing, and we got to spend some time together. Um, she is like, she's so awesome. She's definitely one of one of my favorite female friends. Like, she, she's great. She's fucking amazing. And she is also very fucking she's smart as shit, she's silly as fuck. And one day, when I was living in Cambridge, she comes over and she's like. We're talking and she says, you know, as kids, we were already confident. We already knew what we wanted. We were already social. We were already feeling enough. We were already connected to the present. And a lot of your adult life is about unlearning all the shit so you can get back to being a kid where you were confident, where you were non-reactive, where you were who you were, where you went for what you want, when you did socialize with the people you want to socialize with, when you did play and you didn't feel ashamed about it. You did express yourself and you didn't feel worried that you weren't going to fit in. So I say that to say, connect back to the fucking roots. I went back to my fucking roots. What, what is does that I want? I'm surprised that that answer came up, stand-up comedy, whoa, I was literally I was literally expecting me to say something like, going on stage and teaching, and I'm like, oh shit, that's right, fucking stand-up, that's my jam, that's what I fucking love, I love laughing, and I love making people laugh, I fucking love it, um, so think about, I want to say think about, do the fucking, I, I, I would encourage you, <laughs> I don't want to be forceful here, if you are feeling how I felt and maybe you're looking for some answers, I encourage it. Try it out. Your the answers that might come to you may be different than what you expect and can be very surprising. And it could be something that would connect you back to your childhood, connect you back to the roots of what you have always wanted and who you always were all along throughout your entire life. So um, sometimes we just forget that. Sometimes we repress it because we don't believe we can do it because we don't whatever it is but this answer came to me and i'm like whoa like blew my fucking mind so i'm excited and um we're gonna have a sexy time tonight so i'm sex excited it's gonna be a good time that was random i bet you weren't expecting that and i didn't expect me to say that either um shout outs to the people who are listening to this who um are a little bit more on the reserve side <laughs> Because I, I know there's a few people that listen to this who are like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't worry. I will, I will be out and about. Um, it will not be anywhere close to where I'm staying. Okay. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you later. Peace.